Get into the Word of God tonight. If you have your Bibles, open them with me, if you would, to the book of Philippians this evening, chapter number 1, Philippians chapter number 1, and uh, uh, we'll, we'll try to cover a few verses this evening from, uh, from this first chapter of Philippians, and I'm going to begin tonight with verse number 9, we're going to begin with verse number 9, Philippians Chapter one. I love this. I love this book of this epistle to Philippians. What an awesome book it is, and um, just so many wonderful things. Seem like we're moving a little slow, but uh, through here. But hey, we got till Jesus comes to get through here. So, uh, Amen. We'll yeah, we finish it in in heaven after the rapture. Well, <laughs> Amen. Y'all that's been around here for a while, you know our Wednesday nights. We'll get in the book of the Bible on Wednesday nights, and, uh, you know, we just stay in it until we get done. And uh, I remember I was doing Jude, and we may do that one again one day, but over in the other building, I was doing Jude, and I, I, I talk, was talking to someone, and I said, well, we're studying the epistle of Jude on Wednesday nights. And they said, well, it's only 22 verses, or 25 verses. I said, that shouldn't take long. But we were there for several months. Amen. But we try to squeeze everything out of it that we can while we're there and uh, while we're on it, okay? So anyway, we're in Philippians chapter number chapter number 1. Verse, look at, with me at verse number 9. Paul said this. Let's read verse 8. For God is my witness, how greatly I long for you all with the affection of Jesus Christ. We've talked about last week how much Paul loved this congregation and loved this church. And it was one of his, if not his, most favorite church. He loved these folks so much. And so he's expressing how much he greatly longs for them with the affection of Jesus Christ. And then verse 9, he talks about praying for them. And he says, and this I pray, that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment, that you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense until the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ to the glory and to the praise of God. Now, there's a lot of stuff to unpack right there in those, uh, in those few verses, verses 9 through 11. So we want to we we do our best to uh, just be led by the Spirit tonight and give you what, try to pull out of here some things that will be a blessing to you. Father, bless this teaching tonight. Uh, in the name of Jesus, help us to say what we need to say, and we'll give you praise. And everybody said amen and amen. Paul, here in verse 9, uh, verses 9 through uh, 11, is a prayer that Paul prayed for this church and for these saints. And I don't know, as I was studying this, and I, I, these, these, these first few words of verse number 9 where Paul said, And this I pray, I pray. I thought, you know, we've got iPhones, and we've got iPads, and we've got iTunes, and we need some I praise. Amen? 
<laughs> we do. We need some I praise. But Paul said, for this I pray. So he is praying for this church. And uh, we'll see down through here some of the specific things that he does pray for this church. But you know, prayer is so important. I don't know. I thought this the, the Monday and yesterday, yesterday, as I really begin to dig into these verses and begin to study them, and um, I thought, you know, we talk a lot about prayer at Abundant Life Family Church, it seems like. And I, 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 I mention prayer a lot. We have prayer meetings. And by the way, I'll mention we, we, we started our prayer meeting back up on Tuesday. So praise God. We, we had a good prayer meeting yesterday. And the Spirit of the Lord was here. But prayer is so important. It's a lifeline. Prayer is a lifeline between us and heaven. Aren't you glad that you've got that, that direct connection with the Heavenly Father and you've got the privilege of prayer and you can go into His presence and commune with Him, fellowship with Him, talk to Him anytime you want to. And He gives us the invitation to come boldly before the throne of His grace and, and receive the answers to our prayer. So prayer is a, it's a system of communication that keeps us in contact with God and I believe that we need to stay in contact with God. Can I get an amen there? And you know, the disciples, and I, I taught a whole series on this some time back, but the disciples of the Lord Jesus realized the importance of prayer when they came to Jesus in Luke chapter 11, verse 1, after Jesus had been praying and he had ceased praying and they came to him and they said, Lord, teach us to pray. They knew there was something about the prayer life of Jesus that was, that was the key and the secret to the power and to the effectiveness of his ministry. And, you know, the disciples, it was, it was, it's, it's kind of interesting. They didn't say, Lord, teach us to preach. Lord, teach us to heal. Lord, teach us to do miracles or teach us to cast out demons. They didn't ask for any of that. And they did preach and they did have power to go heal and they did cast out demons. And they did those things. They did miracles by the power of God, but they didn't ask for any of those things. They said, Lord, teach us to pray because they knew that they just knew that that was the key and the secret to everything else was to learn how to pray and I believe that that should be our request as well we need to be asking the Lord you know Lord I need you to teach me to pray you know Paul said in uh, in the book of Romans Romans eight twenty six, the apostle Paul said for we don't know for what we should pray as we ought. Anybody ever been there? We don't know for what to pray for as we ought, but he said we have the Holy Spirit to help us, to teach us, to guide us in our times of prayer. So we need to ask the Lord, Lord, help us to pray, teach us to pray. And I think something else we need to ask the Lord is, Lord, put a desire in my heart to pray. Make me a person of prayer. Amen. Because that that's so very important. So in verse number four, Paul mentions prayer, and we talked about that. He said there in verse four, he said, in every prayer of mine and request for you all with joy, he talked about praying for this church. And as he talked about praying for them, 
he mentions, you notice he mentions prayer and joy together in the same verse. And, uh, you know, I believe that that the, the happier, we'll be happier if we're more prayerful. The more we pray and the more time we spend in the presence of God, the more of the joy of the Lord that we'll have in our life. The Bible said that in God's presence is fullness of joy. So prayer is such a vitally important thing in our life. And, uh, you know, prayer is a transformer. It's a transformer. And I don't mean the transformer, you know, like the a car that turns into a robot. I'm not talking about that kind of a transformer, but prayer transforms things. Prayer transforms burdens into blessings and pain into praises. Prayer transforms grief into glory and heaviness into happiness and heartaches into hallelujahs. Prayer can change your scope and, uh, of your life and the situations in your life. And it's amazing when you think about all that prayer can do and what God, the promises that God has given us concerning Concerning prayer, why the church does less praying than they do anything else. Amen. But in this passage, Paul brings us into his prayer closet. And he shows us and tells here in this letter, in these verses, what he prayed for and gives us a guideline, a little bit of a guideline, what we should pray for as believers for one another. Paul was praying these things for the church. And I really believe that the secret, ladies and gentlemen, the secret of our success or our failure as a Christian is going to be found in our prayer closet. Jesus said that if we would pray in secret, that he would reward us openly. God would reward us openly. Isn't that what he said? So I've always said that it's impossible to pray in secret and keep it a secret. Because when you pray in secret, you know, we're not to be like the Pharisees and go out and, and on the street corner and make a big show of prayer. And that's what they did. You know, they wanted people to see them and say, boy, they're, they're really eloquent prayers. But Jesus said, when you pray, get in your closet, enter into your closet, pray to your Father in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And so we need a prayer closet and a place where we can get in the presence of God. And that is the secret. That is the key, church, to our success and failure as a Christian. It's going to be found in our life of prayer. So the prayer closet is so vitally important. And here we are seeing Paul, a little bit of Paul's prayer life. Now there's several of the the prayers of the Apostle Paul that are recorded in his writings and in his letters. This is just one of them to the church at Philippi. There's a prayer, two prayers in Ephesians, Ephesians 1 and 3, that he prayed for that church. And I think uh, Colossians, I believe in Colossians, there's a prayer there that he prayed for that church. And I love to study the prayers of Paul because it gives us some insight on, on, on prayer and, and the basics of prayer and what what we need to be praying for. So Paul makes it plain here. He says that prayer, he said, in this I pray. Prayer is a personal matter. Amen? Prayer is a personal matter between you and the Lord. And um, nobody else can do your 
praying for you. Notice Paul said, I pray. I'm praying prayers. I have a prayer life. And every one of us need a prayer life. Hallelujah. You know, we pray corporately when we're here in, the, in church, in our services. We have our corporate prayer meetings where we pray together, and that's good and that's wonderful. But every one of us needs a, a personal prayer life where we spend some time every day with the Lord in that prayer closet and in the presence of God. You know, when Saul, Saul, before he came Paul, he was Saul, and he got saved on that road to Damascus. Remember that? He got saved and knocked off that horse, and, uh, and, and, and the Lord appeared to him on the road to Damascus, and he goes into the city uh, of Damascus to the street called Straight. He's abiding there in the house of Simon of Tanner, I believe it was. And anyway, God spoke to a man by the name of Ananias and said, I want you to go pray for him, for I've, I've chosen him. And and the thing that the Lord said to Ananias about, about Saul was, Behold, he is praying. That was the first thing that, that Saul did or Paul did after his conversion. He went to the house and he began to seek God and he began to pray. Amen. So prayers, prayers personal. We've got to have a personal prayer life. And nobody, nobody else can do your praying for you. Amen? It's not my job. Now, 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 get, let me be clear here. It's not my responsibility to do your praying for you. Every one of us need to have a personal prayer life with God. Can I get an amen? Hallelujah. Now, what I mean by that is that, 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 you know, that doesn't mean that I won't pray for you if you need prayer. I will pray for you. There is such a thing as, as intercession where we pray one for another. But, but here's the thing, you know, a lot of times, this is, this is the thing with some Christians. I know none of you are this way. But some Christians, you know, they don't ever pray. They don't ever have time to pray. But then when, when trouble comes in their life, they want everybody else to do their praying for them. And that's fine. We should pray for one another. But we can't do your praying for you. You got to pray yourself. Come on, amen? So it is a personal matter and a personal situation. You need to be praying and you need to be spending some time every day, have a prayer life and be praying and spending some time with the Lord Jesus Christ in prayer. And I'm not going to tell you how long a period of time today or how much time to spend with, in prayer every day, but uh, you just need to, you know, that needs to be between you and the Lord and you just need to figure that out. And, and, uh, but, but make that, make that, a priority in your life to have a personal prayer life and a personal time of prayer. Here's the reason, because prayer is so powerful. Prayer is so powerful. I can't stress that enough of how powerful prayer is. 
Prayer is so powerful and mighty. There's something about prayer. And I quoted the scripture to you earlier where, where, where James said, and we, we, we dealt with that when we studied the book of James, where James said the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous person avails much. The Amplified, the amplified translation says that the, heart, the continued, heartfelt, continued uh, prayer of a, of a righteous man makes tremendous power available something to that effect dynamic in its working so there's a power that is released when you pray prayer unleashes when you pray when you pray the right way when you pray to the father in the name of Jesus and when you pray in faith there's a power ladies and gentlemen that is unleashed when the saints of God pray and pray amen Hallelujah. We say that that little saying says Satan trembles when he sees the weakest saint upon their knees. He trembles when the saints of God pray. And so there's a great power that's unleashed in prayer. We need to be praying, brother. Uh, we need to be praying for our nation. Brother Bob mentioned our president. He mentioned the election and, and our nation. And these things are coming upon us very quickly. There's an election here just in, what, less than two weeks or around two weeks. And we need to be praying, saints, for this election, for, for our president, for the results of that election. Amen. We've got... Listen, we've got um, Washington politicians in Congress and in the Senate that are, that are the movers and shakers in Washington. They think, they believe that they are wielding great power. Uh, but I'm going to tell you something tonight, that when a child of God lifts their hands toward heaven and, and kneels before God in prayer and begins to seek the face of God, there's a power release that is greater than all the power in, in politics or in Washington, D.C. Hallelujah! There's a power that is released that is greater. I say it's greater than the atomic bomb. Amen? It's prayer power. We don't realize church how much power that we have been given and afforded to us through prayer that God has told us to pray. Amen? It releases power. It releases Jesus power. When that early church got together in Acts chapter 4 and they began to pray, the Bible said they lifted up their voices and they began to pray and it records their prayer there in the fourth chapter of Acts and the Bible said that when they had prayed the place where they were assembled together was shaken, was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God with boldness. The literal, listen to me, the literal building where they were in was shaken. It was shaken by the power of God when that church prayed. Hallelujah. Well, you know, I've never been in a prayer meeting where the literal building was shaken, but I can tell you what prayer will do. It'll shake the powers of darkness. It'll shake things up. It'll shake up hell. It'll shake up the devil. Hallelujah. We need a personal prayer life. Today, the church needs to come back to prayer. Can I get an amen? Hallelujah. Satan himself, he will laugh at our work and he mocks our plans. But I'm going to tell you that he trembles at our prayers. 
prayer is powerful. I'm so glad that we were able to resume our Tuesday prayer services yesterday. We had prayer meeting and had had a, had had pretty good little crowd here. wasn't you know it was small, but hey, you only need two or three, and uh, if any two will agree as touching anything they ask, there's power in two praying. There's power in three. And Jesus said, "Where well, there's two or three gathered together, I'm right there in their midst." And I'm going to tell you, the Spirit of the Lord was here in a powerful way yesterday in our prayer meeting. I'm so glad that we we've started those prayer meetings back up. That's the lifeline of the church. And so prayer, prayer is powerful. It's personal, but prayer also. It's purposeful. What do you mean by that? He said, and this I pray. Uh, Paul was praying for some specific things here in this first chapter of Philippians in these verses. He had a purpose in his praying. His prayer, he was very direct. And specific in his prayers. And so in this prayer, Paul mentions different people. And in his prayer, other prayers in the New Testament, he mentions different people and things that he was praying for. And so we need to glean something from that. And that is that our prayers, when we pray, there needs to be a focus and a direction and a purpose to our prayers. We need to be specific. We don't need to just be praying just, you know, willy-nilly. I mean, th- there needs to be something that we're directed. Now, there's times in prayer, and a big part of prayer is loving God and worshiping God and praising God. But when it comes to our times of petition and requests and intercessions and supplications and asking God for our needs and for the needs and the situations in other people's lives, there's, we got to have a purpose. There's got to be, our prayers need to be like a laser beam focused and, 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 and aimed at something specific. If you don't ever pray specific prayers, how will you know if they're ever answered? Amen. And so there was a purpose that Paul had. When you pray for your family, and I I pray for my family on a regular basis. How many of y'all here tonight have family that that are unsaved? That needs Jesus and time's running out and Jesus, the rapture's getting ready. You know, Jesus is getting ready to come and our families that need to be saved. When you pray for those family members, when you pray for lost loved ones, listen, be specific. Call them out to God by name. Lay them on that altar and call their name before God and pray specifically for the Lord to to convict them of their sin, to open their blinded eyes, their spiritual blindness, and to remove that blindness, for the Holy Spirit to draw them, for the Lord to, to, to talk to them. Just pray specifically and call them out before the Lord. Can I get an amen? Hallelujah. And so here Paul prays specifically in verses 9 through 11. He's praying in, this, in these verses, Philippians 1. Who is Paul praying for? He's praying for the church, isn't he? He's praying for the saints. 
Now, in these verses, Paul's not praying for himself. It's good, and let me stop right here and say, it's, you need to pray for yourself. But not only for yourself. Amen? I pray for myself because hopefully other people praying for me, but there may not be, so I need to pray for me. Amen. <laughs> I, know, I know what my needs are and my desires are, and so I need to pray for myself, uh, and I do that. But here Paul, in this particular passage here, Paul's not praying for himself. Uh, now, Paul made, uh, not here, but he made in the book of Ephesians, he made a prayer request, and he said to the church on a couple of different occasions, he told the church, pray for me. He coveted the prayers of the people. And listen, listen church, that's, I feel the same way. He, 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 here was the great apostle Paul. As I said, I believe Sunday, the greatest example of Christianity, of, hu of a human that, that was a, that was a born-again Christian, the greatest example of Christianity that God had put on this planet. He was a powerful man. He was a mighty man of faith. He was an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ. And yet he's telling the church, I covet your prayers. Please pray for me. I need you all to pray for Rick Hensley and Vicki Hensley. And I, I, I believe that you do. But uh, Paul here... Is not praying for himself, he's praying for the saints. He's in jail, I've told you that, this is a prison epistle. He's in a, a situation where the conditions are not very good. And uh, those prisons at that time were not like the prisons of today. They were not like a um, country club, amen, or, a <laughs> or anything like that, or a five-star hotel. These prisons were, in, were, were, they were dungeons. They were bad. They were, they were filthy. They were dirty. They were uh, rat-infested. So Paul was in a situation here where he's in jail, and he's in a terrible condition. But if you'll notice here, he's never praying, Lord, get me out of here. I can't take no more of this. This is a miserable situation. Get me out. He's not praying for something. Now, that would probably be the way I would be praying. That would probably be the way you'd be praying, Lord, send an angel and get me out of here. Amen. But he's praying for not himself, not his situation. But I think there's a good example here for us. He's praying for this church. He's concerned about this church. He loves these people. He has an affection for this congregation and he's praying for them. Come on, amen. Hey, listen, a pastor that won't pray for his church, his, the congregation, the flock that God has given him to be an overseer of, well, that pastor needs to find something else to do. He needs to find a different line of work. Pastors need to pray for their people. Remember last Wednesday night? Paul said, I had you he had this church in his mind he had them in his prayers and he had them in his heart when you've got a 
a, a group of people or an individual in your heart and on your mind, you'll have them in your prayers. We need to be praying for one another. And I, listen, listen, I pray for you. I pray for this church. I pray for this congregation. And we need to pray for one another. Listen, there's a devil out there. There's a virus out there. There's attacks of the enemy out there. We're living in the last days and Satan is doing everything that he can to try to bring every Christian he can down, discourage and quit and a lot are quitting and a lot are dropping out but we need to lift one another up in prayer. Amen. As Aaron and Hur lifted the hands of Moses, praise God, until Israel won the battle, we need to lift up one another before the Lord in prayer. I'm only going to get done with part one tonight. This will be a two-parter. Told you we're going to squeeze what we can squeeze. We got that orange juicer out here. We're squeezing it out. But he is praying specifically for the saints at Philippi. And Paul here gives the specifics of prayer. I'm going to close here in a minute. <laughs> Paul gives the specifics of prayer in these verses. The things here that Paul prays for this church and these Christians. This prayer, I believe, is inspired by the Holy Spirit. Do you believe that? The, this is the Word of God. It's the inspired Word of God. So this prayer that Paul's praying for them was given to him by the Holy Spirit. So what he's praying for them is the will of God for them. Would you agree with that? The things that he's praying for that church, we can pray for this church. The things that Paul is asking for these believers 2,000 years ago in this church at Philippi, God still, he hadn't changed, he still desires these very things for you as an individual believer tonight. And you can pray these things for one another and pray them for yourself. But he gives these specifics, the things that he wants for them and that God wants for you. And Paul prays for this church that they would be a growing church. Now, when I say growing church, I'm not talking about a church growth movement. There's something that's more important than numerical growth. Are you with me? There's something that's more important. Does, does every pastor desire numerical growth? Well, of course. If he didn't, he wouldn't, he'd be in, he's in the wrong business. Of course he does. But there's something that's more important that I desire more than numerical growth, and that's spiritual growth in the life of every one of you here. That's the most important thing. I believe when we take care of that and the church grows spiritually and you and I and everyone here grow spiritually that the the rest of it will take care of itself sister Kathleen yesterday um, shared some things with us with us in prayer meeting and and the, the verse though that that verse Matthew six thirty three, seek ye first 
the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then what he said, Jesus said, and all these other things will be added to you. So we got to get our priorities right. And if we'll seek God and seek spiritual growth and to be closer to God and to love God and then to have the will of God, listen, God's going to take care of those other things. Can, 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 you, can you agree with me on that? Amen. So he wanted them to be a growing church. Notice verse 9. Here's what he prayed for them, that your love... May, here's what he prayed, that your love may abound still more and more. That your what? Love, talking about love in the body of Christ for one another. And he said, I'm praying for you that your love would abound more and more, still more and more. Now listen, when you got born again, when you got saved, God put his love in your heart. I think there's a song, old song says something about that. But God put his love in you. The Bible says in Romans 5 and 5 that the love of God is poured forth, shed abroad in our hearts, in our hearts, by the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit, what is the fruit of the Spirit? The fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5, what's the first one? There's nine, and we'll, we'll talk about, probably not tonight, but we'll talk about, we'll get into that, the fruit of righteousness. But the fruit of the Spirit, Paul said, is love, joy, Peace, those are the first three. But what's that first one that he mentions, the fruit of the Spirit, in that cluster of nine? Is love. Is love. There it is up there, Galatians chapter 5. So all the other fruit of the Spirit, the manifestations, the peace, the joy, the long-suffering, the gentleness, the meekness, the temperance, the kindness, all those other manifestations of the fruit of the Spirit flow, I believe, flow out of love. It's all love. And, and, and so when you got born again, you, 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 you came out of darkness into light, and God put His love in you. There was probably people you didn't like before you got saved, after you got saved, you didn't have that same feeling toward them. There was a love in your heart. And y'all looking at me funny, amen? But, but that's the truth, amen? But listen, read 1 John, the, the epistle of 1 John, especially the fourth chapter. Over and over he talks about loving one another, having love for one another. Do you understand and realize how important it is in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ that we love one another? Jesus said, a new commandment I give to you. And that new commandment is, he said that you love one another even as I have loved you. 
And then he went on to say that by this, by this, shall all men know that you are my disciples. How? If you have love one to another. Not if you speak in tongues and we believe in that. But he didn't say they'll know you're my disciples if you speak in tongues. But he said they'll know you're my disciples if you love one another. That's the, listen, it's the most important thing. Paul wrote a whole chapter to the Corinthian church, 1 Corinthians 13, on love and talked about the love of God and how important it was to love. And even the gifts of the Spirit, if, they, if, they're, if they're manifested in our lives without love, there is sounding brass and a clanging cymbal. Is that what the Bible says? And so Paul saying to this church, you love one another. But he said, I'm praying, hallelujah, that your love will flow and abound and be greater than it ever has before. That was his prayer for this church, amen? He said that your love will abound, which that word means to superabound, to be in excess, to have more abundance. It pictures love. When he says that your love will abound, he's picturing love here as an overflowing stream, as a bubbling up fountain, as a flowing, overflowing river, praise God, that we would have a love that would flow out of us, out to other people, and touch people's lives. God, give us a fresh feeling in Abundant Life Family Church in every one of our lives with a freshness and an overflowing of the love of Jesus in our hearts and in our lives that we'll love one another. Hallelujah. Love one another. That that love will abound and grow. So in our prayers for one another, in our prayers, when you're praying for this church, in which I hope you do daily, pray. When you pray, pray for your church. This is your church. It's not my church. It's your church. Pray for your church. Pray for the saints at Abundant Life Family Church that their love will, that the love in every one of our hearts and lives will grow, will abound, will spring up like a fountain. Glory to God. I think about those. When I, when I read that definition, I thought about those. You've been down at the Branson Landing? And whoosh, those big fountains that shoot up and they play music and they got lights. And I thought, man, that's what, that's what the love of God, he's saying, that it will overflow, that it will bubble up, that it will just spring out of us, that our love will be stronger and for one another than it's ever been before. We need that in these last days. Amen. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to stop right there if that's all right. And... Uh, Amen. We, we, we just want to pray for a moment. I think they're going to come and sing a song. But just, uh, I know we didn't get very far, but we're squeezing that orange. And this I pray that your love, that your love, that your love may abound and overflow more and more. Can I tell you something? <clears throat> this may be, and this is the word, this is from the word of God. 
But, and I believe it was John in 1 John said that we cannot love God and hate our brother. It's impossible. He said, if you can't love your brother in whom you have seen, then how in the world, he didn't say in the world, that's Ricky's translation, how, how can you love God in whom you've not seen? So in other words, we can't profess our love, how much we love God, and then do evil or wrong to one another. Just, that's not the love of God. Romans chapter 13, I believe it is, 12 or 13. But the Apostle Paul said, love, are you listening? He said, love worketh no ill toward its neighbor. What was it we, um, we talked about a few months, I don't know, weeks, months, I don't know. We've been in the Gospel of Mark for a long time on Sundays. But remember, I preached the message some weeks back where Jesus gave the first and the greatest commandment. Remember that? They asked him what the first and the greatest commandment was, and he said that greatest commandment, the greatest commandment is that you, because there were 613 of them, and they wanted to know which one, they was always arguing about which one was the most important. And Jesus said, here's the greatest one, that you love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your mind, with all of your strength. And he didn't stop there, but he went on the next one. He said, that's not all. But he said, the second greatest one is likened to this one, that you love your neighbor as yourself, as yourself. So we love one another, and we're, we're more than neighbors. We're family. This is the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to love one another. So I believe an important prayer for us to pray is what Paul prayed right here. The power of prayer to focus it and direct it in this, in, upon the, and focus it upon this specific thing. Lord, let the love of God abound and overflow in every single saint of God. Everyone at Abundant Life Family Church. And while you're praying that for everybody else, pray it for me. Pray it for yourself. Lord, let your love superabound and overflow in my heart and life. May I grow and increase in the love of Jesus. Don't you think that'd be a good thing? Oh, we need that today. Let